This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Good evening and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell and I'll be with you until 7 o'clock this evening. Believe it or not, it's the last bottom line before the programme takes a summer break. Really looking forward to the next 50 minutes or so. Later, we'll be talking to economist Jim Power and taking stock of how business and the economy is faring over the first six months of 2023. And we'll be asking Jim what he thinks will be the issues and influences shaping the rest of the business year. I'll be talking to businessman Italo Andrade about digital business cards. He'll explain how they work, how they can help save money for businesses and individuals, and how he's seeking both resellers and investors. And I was at the launch during the week of the Carlo Chamber Business Awards. Later I'll be bringing you a recording of a chat I had with the newly elected president of Carlo Chamber, Rowena Dooley. But first, joining me in studio to chat through some topical business issues is an old friend of the programme, Alan Seary of O'Neill Foley Accountants in Kilkenny. Uh, Good evening, Alan. How are you? I'm good, John. How are you? Good. Uh, Hard to believe we're coming up to the end of June. Um, how's the year been so far? You, you'd be dealing with like scores of clients all over Kilkenny, Carlow and the South East. What's the mood like out there? I think the mood is very good, John. Uh, certainly, if you were to take a walk down High Street, it's very busy. Um, uh, the feedback we're getting from businesses that it, it generally it's quite positive. Um, I suppose the main, the main challenge at the moment is that it's not actually getting new businesses. It's more getting and keeping staff. Um, from staff's point of view, um, probably housing still remains an issue for them. But overall, the, the sentiment is very good. Um, uh, nationally, we're at full employment. That certainly seems to be the case in Kilkenny as well. So obviously. Every which way you look seems to be the challenges of housing. But some good news uh, today, you were telling me earlier, you spotted a, a planning approval for quite a few houses in Kilkenny. Yes, I think um, it came up on Twitter or something that uh, um, there was about 230 houses approved for um over towards Kilcreen, which is a great development if that goes ahead. You know, it'll certainly add to the supply in Kilkenny. Because uh, the county, the city and county of Kilkenny and indeed Carlow do well with, uh, you know, new business setups and in Kilkenny, particularly Abbott on the way. They're here in the Leggett's Rath Business Park as well, but the, the sod has been turned and work is underway. That'll be transformative for the business landscape in Kilkenny, I would think. It will, um, you know, Obviously, to be a lot more direct employment created, and then you know indirect employment through suppliers supplying that business. Um, uh, there'll be probably a lot more people coming to Kilkenny because obviously not everybody that will be working in Abbott will be directly living in Kilkenny. They'll be living in the surrounding towns and counties. Um, it, it, I'm sure it'll bring its own infrastructural challenges, particularly on the ring road. Maybe just time, time to look at that. You know, a completing it, maybe b turning some of it all into a two-lane dual carriageway over time. Um, uh, no doubt, going back to the point about full employment, you know, it'll it'll add to maybe some existing pressures for employment in in Kilkenny in terms of keeping and obtaining staff. But certainly, it's a great news story for Kilkenny. That's great to be yours. Yeah, the census was announced uh, recently, and the population of the country over five million now. As you say, we're at full employment at the moment. The country really needs to be planning ahead for the next twenty, thirty years. Uh, even longer, particularly with stuff like environmental considerations. We've never really been good at real long-term planning, and we've never really had long horizons, really, have we? No. Um, 
I suppose at a macro level, uh, maybe the one, you know, Ireland has a lot of good teams going for us, um, uh, but probably long-term planning is not our best our best suite at the moment. Um, you know, going back along when Dublin Airport was being expanded, that was probably expanded in, in some dark days when people were wondering about, um, you know, how viable that was. And yeah, and it was largely for people getting out of the country, it was used rather than people coming into the country. It was, unfortunately, at that time, but like, thankfully it was built because now there's, I suppose, a demand for... Uh, possibly new terminal there as well. So that's 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 uh, that's that's one example of, I suppose, long term planning. That you know, there's you, you can't turn a switch on these things. They take time to plan, develop, get through planning, and actually get constructed as well. And uh, we're seeing certainly that journey with our offshore wind at the moment. That that's uh, that doesn't seem to be going that well. Because um, there hasn't been a lot of wind. Uh, well, no, even from the planning point of view, just actually oh, get, right. get get them built. Um, I know anecdotally heard that's. Uh, uh, one very large uh, company had invested a lot of money into um, carrying out diligence on um, the IRC for offshore wind, and um, the department thing told them this, we changed the rules here, so they walked away from it. You know, so um, that's when you hear stories like that, that wouldn't encourage you about you know how how um, determined we are with long term planning infrastructure. Mm. Uh, on a related issue, you're talking about wind power and we've talked over the last six months with a lot of businesses who are doing interesting things. We had Liam Anthony Griffin on who are commissioning a, a 10 acre solar uh, farm down in Wexford, which will power uh, the properties in the Griffin Hotel Group. But uh, how are you finding it in terms of businesses uh, acting in the whole environment and sustainability? I was down in O'Neill Foley's new offices some time ago and you were telling me about the digitisation of your of your client records, which saves an unbelievable amount of paper, good for the environment and so on. How are business practices changing? How's your own business changing and so on? Are we doing enough? Um, I, I'd say a lot of businesses have done enough, you know, like you know, after COVID, we, you know, or during COVID more particularly, um, business became very adaptable very quickly. Um, certainly energy prices have focused the mind, you know, and business owners for to, to, um, to look at how they can save energy. Um, or save the energy cost. Um, a lot of businesses are now looking at whether it's viable, say, to put solar on their on their roofs and so on to to be self self powered. Um, uh, you know, wholesale prices for electricity have have started to come back, and hopefully that will feed into retail levels uh, soon enough. And then people maybe can hedge forward on that and have mm. a. More we can talk cost. about how change is so slow, but then when it comes, it comes quite quickly. I was talking to someone who's living in Spain recently, and they said that they're having to look at imposing a grid tax because so many people have gone to solar that they're not generating enough money to generate future investment in in the in the national grid for electricity. So, you know, a tipping point comes, and then change comes quickly. Maybe it does, and um, uh, but you have to be ready. You have to be able to ready to do it. If you take countries like South Africa, where you know they haven't invested in their grid and they have what's called um, load shedding, yeah. where their power goes down for numerous hours a day, and that has, obviously has a very bad impact both for people's quality of life and also for businesses. So um, uh, it is incumbent on it all. Go back to your earlier point about strategic planning. You know, things don't things don't happen overnight. You know, there is a long term plan required. Um, you know, Ireland seems to have a very good offshore resource, wind resource there that could that needs to get up and running. Um, mm. Probably in a hurry. Yeah, we we were talking about unexpected events like uh, the COVID pandemic, for example. Talking about energy prices, uh, nobody really foresaw two years ago the invasion of 
uh, Ukraine had a really negative effect on, on as well, of course, of the human tragedy and the devastation, but the, it, it's upended the energy market in Europe. Um, the government announced the energy subsidy scheme. How's that been going and has it, it, has it turned out to be as good as it initially sounded? I think to be fair to the government, they, they have tried to um, uh, recognise that businesses are incurring significantly higher energy costs. Um, we haven't seen as much take up with us. You know, it, 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 the process is somewhat convoluted. Um, uh, they have tried to, I suppose, re- reduce the restrictions that are there for us. Um, some businesses that are high energy units have, have been benefit- very beneficial and grateful, ben- grateful users of it. Um, but other businesses, it, it hasn't made that much of a difference because they don't have the energy cost there. So it's very different to, say, the impact that the wage subsidy schemes uh, had for businesses, which was much more transformative for, for mm. them to keep them going during the crisis. Tara Mines up in uh, County Mead, I think it is, they're shuttering uh, and one of the for a temporary close down, I think 650 people uh, been laid off uh, on a temporary basis, hopefully. But high energy price has been cited as one of the things. Do you think the government will ever get into a thing where it does temporary and targeted subsidies for sectors who may be particularly hard hit or is that just kind of wishful thinking? Um, Brings into might play be state wishful aid thinking, and all I think, that sort of stuff. I think, you know, the, um, one, the, the observation I picked up on, on, the, on that particular case, John, was that they cited four reasons, one of which was energy costs. Um, and demand um, was suppose, another problem. Um, just, I suppose, uh, as an interested observer, I, I've taken note that they that has been long costs or long time spent in the Labour Relations Commission to hammer out, a, uh, hammer out some sort of maybe working arrangement going forward, which I think has fallen through. So um, I'm not sure that the, the energy cost was the main factor there. Mm. Moving away from that whole long-term planning energy costs and so on, see today that uh, contactless payments are continued to be on the on the uh, growth. I heard from someone in banking recently, though, that there's still a lot of cash in circulation. What's your view on that? Like, is cash dead? As some people who generally would be flogging sort of cryptocurrency or something like that would be having it. But do you see a healthy future for cash? I think so. I think for for a few reasons, like cash gets things done, maybe that's probably one, one thing. Uh, some people like, you know, the, the feel of having cash in their wallets. Um, I know myself, you know, COVID certainly uh, reduced my cash usage. We use Revolut or my banking card an awful lot more now. Um, but cash will always have a place in society because people are comfortable doing it. Um, there's also, the, I suppose, the security risk of everything going to a secure environment that you know, potentially won't be secure, whereas you know, cash in, in its tender physical form will always have a value. So I don't see cash um, uh, you know, falling off the cliff totally. It's obviously been less used, but it still remains in use. Um Going back to the start of the year, we'd very little heard about artificial intelligence. Um, in November, I think it was, ChatGPT has been launched. Uh, since then, we've heard warnings of existential threats to mankind, really, from artificial intelligence. Will it have any uh, implications, do you think, for your profession of accountancy? I think it will, John. Um, like, it certainly... It, it it it'll allow a lot of research to be done a lot quicker, and um, I I think what we probably need to to do is to work on the basis that is here to stay, but it needs to be managed and regulated. Um, I think people will see value in having it there, but also value in having an advisor, be it a, a legal advisor, tax advisor, doctor, 
um, sense checking and, and I suppose validating the advice. Mm. Um, I was talking to someone during the week who said they use it regularly and uh, they use it kind of like a personal assistant. You know, they'll say, draft me a letter covering X, Y, Z, A, B, C. They'll get something back and it might be 70% of what they need, but it saves them a huge amount of time. Yes, yeah. So for maybe more routine tasks, it, it, it'll save time there. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, would you would you put in sort of a self-diagnosis for medicine into it and, and rely on the results? Possibly you wouldn't, you know. Um, you might Probably. be better informed, but you'd like somebody to validate what, what it says. Yeah, there, there's still a bit of a... Uh, we'll still be here in natural intelligence on the bottom line when we come back in the autumn, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> hopefully the bots won't have taken over. Finally, Alan, um, Ryanair in the news again. Um, they're just an incredible Irish company. Hard to believe that they started flying out of Watford Airport over to Luton. They're a fantastic success story. I know Michael O'Leary wouldn't have... Uh, friends everywhere, but I mean, it, 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 Ryanair have transformed how we travel and how we live, and it, it's made certainly made Europe and um, beyond uh, a lot more accessible for people. Which you know, given the Irish diaspora, uh, it's very important, a very important thing for us and also for Europe. Um, they seem to have made peace again with Boeing and, and got another transformative deal, which, which will set them right for the next generation. And what are we talking when you're talking like they've placed an order with Boeing? I mean, you're talking it's, it's, it's like tens of billions. You know, it's 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 just phenomenal. That cash right. or card? Uh, I'd say <laughs> probably a bit of both, John. So, um, uh, uh, no, it's it's, it's, it's an absolutely phenomenal success story. Um, uh, at some stage, they might they might have. Limitations in their market, um, uh, you know, because they they've they they have previously looked, I think, at going transatlantic and found that that's not a viable option. So mm. Europe is only so big, and um, they don't seem to be as strong in Eastern Europe, where I think the Wizz Air, the Hungarian incumbent, are quite strong over there. And maybe there's a, an understanding there that they won't encroach too much on each other's territory. But um, you know, they're 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 okay. We, I'm sure I'm sure we can all recount maybe some experience with Ryanair that that we'd rather not repeat. But in the main, you know, they're they they're they are what they say on the tin on the on the on the plane to get you there. Yeah, you know. So, well, and a lot of people uh, using it over the summer and uh, safe flying to everyone in Ryanair and on Ryanair. Alan Siri from O'Neill Foley, thanks for joining us on the bottom line and thanks for all your help and support over the last year. Thanks, John. That's Alan Siri of O'Neill Foley Accountants. It's just twenty three minutes past six o'clock. We'll be back after this, and we're going to be hearing more about the Carlow Chamber Business Awards. KCLR. To a command there on Olas, the newest August sport, Gokla. Ta Falchero Tarash, you're listening to The Bottom Line on KCLR 96FM. John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock. Matt O'Keefe comes up with the Tierlawn Farm Programme after 7. Do stay tuned. Uh, Now, during the week, I was delighted to have the opportunity to pop along to the launch of the Carlow Chamber Business Awards. It was something I was particularly interested in as KCLR. This very company slash radio station is the current Carlow Business of the year having been given that huge honour last year at the award ceremony held in uh, September just of last year. How time flies. Well, uh, Rowena Dooley is the newly elected president of Carlow Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we announced that or reported on her appointment just last week on the programme. Uh, I was delighted to have an opportunity to chat to Rowena and here's the chat we had. 
Rowena Dooley, we're here at the launch of the 2023 Carlo Business Awards. A great evening, but first of all, congratulations to you on assuming uh, the chain of office as president of County Carlo Chamber. Thank you very much, John. I'm delighted to take up the position. Truly honoured. Um, big shoes to fill, handing over uh, from Colin, taking over from Colin Duggan, uh, who's the president for the last three years. But I have a really great board, um, board of directors, and really Carlo is at the cusp of some great changes. There's a huge new amount of opportunities and uh, it's a very exciting time. So I'm really, really delighted. And we spoke to Colin on the show a couple of weeks ago. He had an extraordinary reign, really. Three years for a start, but also during COVID. Uh, the economy coming out of COVID, but challenges and opportunities ahead. Yes, definitely. Colin certainly saw out his tenor with a lot of bumps along the way. But we're at a, a more stable place, I would say. And as a, 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 with Carlo becoming a university town, uh, the new, the recent launch of NUA uh, coming on board and more importantly the URDF funding that's been granted to Carlo. Some huge opportunities in play. We spoke on the programme last week when you uh, when you were announced as the new president about your following in the footsteps of your dad. Uh, it's really important that chambers continue. You know, they have a very important role to play in the business community. What's your perspective on that? They definitely do. Uh, it's so important that all businesses have a voice and the chamber represents that. Uh, from the small sole trader to the huge multinationals, we're lobbying at, uh, at a local level, at a uh, um, a national level and also we're on the ground to hear what the issues are for businesses and we're trying to be a voice for them. Um, yeah, so it is very important that people join their chamber and attend the events even from networking perspective this is important. People like to do business with people and it's a great opportunity to get yourself out there and experience uh, experience what's good about Carlo. Uh, over the next couple of weeks or months and years of your term, I think it's a two year term, you spoke about some of the opportunities. How would you like to see uh, Carlo developing in the coming years? It's actually 12 months for me I'm taking, John, but um, Carlo in particular I'd like to see developments in our town centre. We have a huge problem with uh, dereliction and vacancy, similar to other towns, but it's very pronounced here and our town centre really needs some love and attention. Um, So we'd like to see the uh, Project 2040 shovels in the ground and things starting to move. It's great to be here in in the Carlo Exchange. This is the first of one of the programmes and one of the projects that we'll see come to fruition. Um, our, our, and also we just like to, people, we'd like to see people supporting Carlo and getting behind Carlo and embracing all that is about doing business in Carlo. There was a lot of talk over the years about university status and so on. It was a, it was a regional technical college, it was an IT, but now Carlo is a university town. Great opportunities and very attractive to outside investment, I would imagine. Yes, a huge opportunity now. It's a game changer really for our town and county of course the challenge will be housing the students and that's that's what we need to work uh, coordinate with our local authorities with the planning with zoning with developers to make Carlo be an attractive place for students to come and then for people to come and live and work here so housing is a challenge like everywhere but also the the, the potential for new courses and new professions to develop from Carlo is fantastic and we're here of course at the launch of the business award and, and we both spoke, me representing Casey Law, which was delighted to be uh, chosen as the Carlo Business of the Year last year. Why are the awards so important, do you think? 
Well, they showcase all what's good about doing business in Carlo. It shines this light and puts a spotlight on them and gives us this opportunity to take stock of how good they are. And it gives acknowledgement, as I said earlier, for the small sole traders, multinationals, small family business companies, small family businesses, and allows them really um, provides them with a, a, an opportunity to to tell their story. So the Business Awards is the premier business event in Carlo and it's so important that we get behind it and support it and I'd encourage everyone to log on to carlochamber.com and nominate. And uh, you mentioned um, you know about innovation. The awards are innovating in some new categories and some changes this year as well. Very sensible ones in reflecting a changing business environment. Yes, we have many new exciting new awards. We have uh, we have the uh, Health and Wellness Award where we're acknowledging businesses that are taking time and taking stock of uh, how they can improve or how their uh, well-being of their employees. Uh, we also have a new exciting award acknowledging um, a Carlo- Carlovians that may have travelled abroad or work abroad in the national, international or national have become top of their own game and key um, have made a success in their own field. And sometimes we're good at keeping those success stories a secret. So it's really important we, we shine the light on those. Also, we've split the, the overall business of the year award into three categories, recognize the various different sizes. And so the small business of the year, medium sized business of the year for 10 to 50 employees and Carlo business of the year for greater than 50 employees. So if people's interest is peaked and they're figuring I'd like to enter myself for my business, what should they do? Log on to carlochamber.com and follow the links to nominate. Select the category and each business can be nominated in two categories. That's great, Rowena. Look, best of luck. Thanks for everything you've done. Uh, Carlo Chamber has done for uh, KCLR over the last 12 months. Best luck, best of luck to you in your term of office. And uh, we look forward to a great night in September. Thanks very much, John. And I'd like to extend a big thank you to you and all your team for working as me- our media partners along with the Nationalist. Thanks, John. KCLR, the bottom line with John Purcell. 34 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock, uh, almost 25 minutes to 7 o'clock on the bottom line here on Casey Law. Now, Italo Andrade is a businessman best known as the proprietor of Celebrator in James's Street in Kilkenny. Well, he's expanding his business interests and over recent months, he's been working with a team of people to develop a new business proposition. His new business is based around the well-known and established business tradition of business cards. We've all had them uh, in your wallet in your pocket or maybe not there at all and you don't have them when you need it at all. Now, the humble business card typically printed on a small piece of card of varying quality, it has to be said, is something that has been around in business circles for generations. Well, Italo is using near-field communications technology, NFC cards, to bring business cards into the 21st century. He's developed a company offering digital business cards which offer all the convenience of traditional cards while greatly expanding their functionality and use as a promotional tool. Well, he came into studio earlier and I chatted with the Tallow about his new venture and I started by asking him to explain how the product works. Well, basically it's a NFC card, right? And then once you change, you add all the messages that you want, your name, all your social media details, a small video, and you can even put uh, catalogs at the moment, two catalogs of your new products like cars or 
whatever products you sell it. And once you send to your customers contactless by the NFC uh, contactless system, and then once you, the, your customers download it, he says has all the details. And once in the couple of days you change the details, whoever has your card saved would get all the contacted uh, details changed as well. Mm. And so basically, it's like a credit card for all the world, but it can be branded with the company logo yes. on the front. It has a QR code, uh, yeah. which people can use their phones to to scan, or you can just touch it off the off the screen. Tell us about how long it's taken to develop this product. Well, we start about a bit more than two years ago, when in our shop I ran out of cards, and I would spend at least like a hundred euro, a bit more than every kind of two months. And one day I would add no more cards and I said, listen, enough is enough. And then we start developing this and started by small little image with QR code and JPEG and PDF. And then we went to an app. Now we have an app for Android and we have an app there for uh, app as well. But now we've developed one specific one for solo traders and also for big companies. So it can go, it can go up to 200, 300 cards at the same time. So basically, you're offering people a solution uh, whereby they can replace the need for getting cards printed, uh, which, funnily enough, people who I meet in business often don't actually have them on them um, because they just forget to carry them around with one single card that you can uh, transfer the data to somebody just by tapping it off the phone. Yes, basically is this. It's for example, if you print a card, like happened with my friend a couple of days ago, he printed a card, but uh, the email was a misspelling. So he had to dump 120 euro plus VAT on all the cards. And I showed him the card. He was absolutely very, very excited. But basically is this. You can change any minute all the details and all the digital business card, okay? Uh, are going to be updated immediately. Mm. Um, how much does this solution cost for businesses? So I want to go off and get a card done for myself. What's the what's the damage? Well, initially we're selling uh, locally, okay, for forty nine ninety nine, okay, but it's unlimited. So you're going to use for one year. You can change, put a small video of your company, put all uh, catalogs of some brochure of your company and what you do, products that you do. So it's forty nine ninety nine, including VAT at the moment. Mm. But for big companies, yes, we have because we're a local company. Mm. Okay, we're a team of six people, developers, and we want to su- the support for local business, and definitely that's a special price for Kilkenny. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, it's very useful as well, because not only do you have the contact details, but you can, uh, you know, touch off the phone icon and it'll phone the person or you can touch off the email person and an email will pop up and you can do it. So it's very convenient in that respect. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. But that's the future. So you feel kind of uh, I don't know if anyone get out of home without your phone. You could get out without, you know, say like your car keys or anything, but without your phone, definitely. So that's the future. And when you save on the contact, okay, obviously, uh, when you save a contact, it's there forever until you go there and just delete it. Yeah, and you're looking for investors. What should people do if they're interested in taking well, a punt of all, on this company? And how big do you think it can get? Well, I have to say this. Uh, we were shocked a couple of weeks ago when it's about 12 companies in the world doing this job. 12 companies. So we were really, really excited. I said, this is what do we do? Even got an email a couple of days ago from uh, the US looking for investors. And I said, listen, no, baby walk. We stay local. We are in Kilkenny, 100% designed and developed in Kilkenny. And then we're going to go for Ireland. And then we're going to go to, you know, abroad. But we need investors so we can sell it. You know, 
but the amount of competitors, so it's going to be, you know, very, mm. very good. Hope so. uh, talk to me a bit about resellers. You're also looking for resellers. Uh, what do they do and what would the relationship be with your company? Well, as an IT company, right, uh, we select the area that you want to sell it by your GPS. For example, if you will have a company in Carlo, marketing company, whatever, you want to sell it. So you contact us and then you you get an area of a GPS. So that area, nobody would sell it. And then you decide your own prices, you decide everything, you can come aboard of our webpage because our webpage, we can, uh, we designed the way uh, the admin into uh, franchisee. So everything is sorted. And abroad is the same. So for example, one person wants to resell this in Spain, Everything is set. And then you go there, you select the area in Spain, Spanish, everything, you know, you check the price and everything. So so you can geofence it effectively. Yes. So give yeah. a person an agency in an area. Yes, like a franchisee. And also, also one thing that happened a couple of months ago when I went to Brazil and I arrived there and uh, in the airport, I shared the card with my family and I said, well, I don't understand English. Well, then I called my IT team and they said, well, Go for the GPS. So wherever you land, if you're, for example, an exhibition, NSC or NFC or whatever, and you arrive there and whoever you give to the customer, whenever they land in your own country, it translates their own language, Mm -hmm. you know. Okay, Italo, sounds great. Um, It's a great product. I've seen it and uh, I had a look around it myself. Uh, You're looking for resellers. You're looking for investors. How do people contact you and find out more about digital business cards? Yeah, uh, digitalbusinesscard.com. And we are based in Kilkenny at the same place as Celebrate, but you just have a room upstairs and it's really exciting because it's a small room and it's, it's, it's a team that works 24-7. Even Sundays, they text me, Ethan, what about this? And I say, listen, guys, Sunday, relax. But it's an excellent team, you know. It sounds like important. the ideal startup uh, yes. atmosphere and culture. Italo Andrade from digitalbusinesscards.com. Thanks for joining us on The Bottom Line. I appreciate your support for local business. That was Italo Andrade talking to me earlier about his new business venture uh, and very much keeping it local to start off. We're going to look global now with Jim Power Economist. Uh, Good evening, Jim. John, good evening. Great to talk again. Yeah, you too. Um, talk, this is the last uh, um, bottom line before we go off for our break. We spoke to you on the first one back after uh, Christmas when we started the current series. Thought it'd be a good idea to get you back on to talk about how H1, as they'd say in some uh, business circles, how the first six months of 2023 have been for business, the economy and the global economy indeed. Okay, John, I, I hope you or your listeners don't remember what I said back in January. Because <laughs> of course I, we do. I have, sele- I have selectively forgotten. Um, yeah, we're, we're just moving out of the first half of the year now, tomorrow evening. Um, and the, the first half of the year has been dominated by inflation, by rising interest rates, and by intense economic and geopolitical uncertainty. Okay, and just to take each of those in turn, um, you know, on the inflation front, uh, in most jurisdictions, inflation peaked last October and has been trending downwards since then. Okay, um, for example, today, German inflation is down at 6.4%. You know, it had been over 9% last October and, and same everywhere else. The headline inflation rate is coming down, but it is largely due to falling energy prices. And we've seen globally oil 
and natural gas prices fall significantly and that's impacting on headline inflation. And is, is some of that, Jim, due to the fact that it's in the summer and there's less demand uh, or, you know, I, I know will it go no, back up or is there a restructuring and a realignment of the markets? That, that, that there certainly has been a bit of a realignment in the market in the sense that, um, OK, we, we had a lot of luck last winter because it was a mild winter. Um, so that certainly helped the demand. But, but also there was a significant realignment away from Russian gas towards Norwegian and so on. So that helped. But it, it was a global phenomenon. And OPEC has been trying to keep oil prices up by restricting supply, but it's not working. So, uh, I mean, you'd have to be concerned coming into next winter again uh, with the war in Ukraine ongoing. Um, You know, there will be further nervousness about energy supply and the price. Uh, But the the, the market is working in the sense that there's a diversification away from the more volatile energy markets. So that's good. But for the moment, it's a good news story. Um, but as I say, going into the winter, we may have um, in uncertainty again about the price and the supply. But it's a good story at the moment. It is feeding into significantly lower headline inflation everywhere. But from a central bank perspective, um, excluding energy, inflation is still too high. Mm. You know, we're seeing um, strong food price inflation. We're seeing strong service sector inflation, you know, all goods and services like accommodation, uh, hospitality generally, and and lots of other services. And in Ireland, Jim, we were talking to the central bank last week, and they're projecting growth of something like 3.5% this year, 4% next year, I think. They're saying the economy's at full capacity, uh, employment is at full capacity. Does that lead, put inflationary pressure on? Yeah, this this is another part of the global story as well, because w- w- one of the sort of strange phenomenons we've seen over the last 12 months has been, uh, you know, there have been massive global headwinds with the Ukraine war, with inflation, with rising interest rates. All of that stuff has generated considerable economic uncertainty, and we've seen the global economy slow down. Uh, but despite all of that, unemployment everywhere is close to historically low levels, six and a half percent in the euro area, the lowest since the euro was created back in 1999, 3.8% in the UK, 3.7% in the States. And as you say here in Ireland, it's 3.8% unemployment rate. So that's effectively full employment. And this too is a concern for central banks because for many businesses, the recruitment and retention of workers uh, is a huge challenge and has been for some time. And of course, as well as that, we were seeing globally and in this country, you know, significant upward pressure on wages. And of course, upward pressure on wages feeds into inflation. So central bankers, quite simply, would like to see um, higher unemployment to try and relieve some of those wage inflation pressures that are fairly obvious in many countries around the world at the moment. So it's, it's, it's a strange environment. But the one thing I would say is that um, there, there has been massive pessimism from forecasters about the global economy for the last 12 months, um, talking about, you know, deep recession, etc. It hasn't happened. OK, uh, Germany and the euro area technically went into recession in the first quarter this year, but pretty mild stuff. But the state's is growing strongly, well, reasonably strongly. Uh, the UK, despite all the problems, is is, is growing 
So it, it, it hasn't, I'm not for one moment saying it's a good global growth environment. It's not, but it is less bad yeah. than might have been predicted. And the, the collapse in energy prices, the reopening of the Chinese economy certainly have been influential, but also the fact that labour markets are so tight um, and there's a bit of upper pressure on wages that keeps consumer spending going as well. Mm. Um, but So it, it, it's been challenging but it hasn't been a disastrous six months. There's well, no doubt about that. We can't complain about that. Stay with us, Jim. Uh, I'm talking to Jim Power, uh, economist, on what the last six months has been like. And we'll be looking ahead to the next six months, which is probably of more interest to people in business just after the break. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Yes, you're welcome back to The Bottom Line. John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock. Now, two weeks ago, I forgot to mention it last week, but two weeks ago we did our programme uh, live from the Arboretum Lifestyle and Garden Centre in Lachlan Bridge, and the occasion was the launch of uh, the new book by Rachel Doyle, that business powerhouse. Um, and Jim, uh, I have Jim Power, economist on the line. Jim, you're a fan of uh, the Arboretum, and you're even uh, joining the board next month. Uh, yeah, yes, John. Um, I have been a customer and a fan of the Arboretum and of Rachel and Fergal and Barry Doyle um, for many years. I, I love the place. I love the business. Um, you know, they have obviously the the, the, the premises, uh, the business, sorry, in Lachlan Bridge. They have the National Botanical Gardens in Kilruddery in, Wick, or in, in Wicklow, sorry. And they also have now in Parnell Urban Green. Dublin, an Arboretum above an urban... Um, garden centre effectively over Chapters Bookshop. So anyway, yeah, so I, I love the business. I've done a lot of work for Rachel over the years, um, trying to help where I possibly can. Yeah. And um, they asked me would I become a non-executive director of the board and um, Saturday morning technically I become a director and I'm thrilled because it takes a lot of boxes for me. Um, I really admire and love the people involved um, I love the business because it's it's horticulture, it's food, it's retail, um, it's rural economic activity. It takes a lot of boxes. And it's there. amazing business from the point of view of we talk about inflation, interest rates, uncertainty and so on. Uh, Rachel and Frank started the business 40 years ago, which was like in the 1980s when, you know, we'd be there'd be no silver lining to any kind of economic analysis. And they've made a huge success of it. Uh, of it in such an unlikely place with all due respect to Lachlan Bridge. Well, well, absolutely. And um, whatever about um, in the early years of the business, they were on the side of the main road from Dublin to Kilkenny, or, or, or maybe I should say Dublin to Waterford. Okay. No, Dublin to Kilkenny, um, there's a little spur <laughs> at the end of it all, right down to Waterford. But, uh, <laughs> but, but then when it was bypassed with the motorway, you would have thought, oh, oh, there's a challenge. Uh, but it has thrived and prospered since then. Mm. Um, it's, I think it's an amazing story. Uh, I just, I, I love going in there and I'm privileged now to be involved in the business. And I certainly hope as a non-executive director, I'll be able to make a contribution to the ongoing success. Hopefully. Well, well, I'm sure your uh, business or your economic forecasting skills will come in useful. What can businesses like uh, the Arboretum and so on look forward to, do you think, in the second half of this year? OK, I, I think there's, there's a number of issues. Um, one is obviously that global, that uncertain global background I'm talking about. Um, secondly, interest rates are still on the way up because central banks 
are still not comfortable with the levels of inflation. So the European Central Bank, since late July of last year, uh, 11 months at this stage, has taken rates from 0 to 4%. And do you think it'll and just keep ticking up, up, up for I the think, rest of this I, year? I, I think they'll probably deliver another couple of quarter percent increases in July and probably in September. That would see rates at 4.5%. Um, it could go higher, but I, I think we're approaching at the top of the rate cycle. But I think, you know, businesses should factor in, or individuals indeed, that the likelihood that rates will rise a little bit further and they're going to stay there for a while. So that that's obviously going to be um, a, a business challenge. Uh, but I think that at the end of the day, it will be worth it if we bring, inf- if central bankers manage to bring inflation back under control. On balance, um, you think it's worth the pain, Jim, do you, for the economy? You know, people wonder, like, oh, why can't they just leave it? You know, the economy's no, I, doing I, well. You think it's worth I, the pain? I think, I, I think for those who remember what happened in the 1980s, when inflation goes out of control and becoming becomes embedded in the economy and system, um, it is incredibly disruptive. You're talking closures, you're talking recession, you're you talking are. all that stuff, yeah. You you, you are indeed. So I, I think um, as painful as the, the interest rate increases are, um, I think the ultimate goal, if achieved, will be worth it to get inflation back at around 2%. Um, another challenge for business is obviously the fact that um, the Irish labour market is incredibly hot, a 3.8% unemployment rate, just over 2.6 lowest million ever. people in employment. The lowest ever, 2.6 million people in employment, which is by far the highest ever. But the business challenge there, of course, is recruiting staff is difficult, retaining staff is difficult, and obviously the cost of staff um, is rising, so that's problematical for some businesses. Uh, but in the second half of the year, you know, I don't see that changing. I think mm. the labour market is going to remain tight. Well, but, Jim, but, but the other, the positive piece is these are all you know challenges. Mm. But the positive piece is that I do believe the Irish economy will continue to show a decent level of momentum, and I think consumers, although spending has slowed a bit, I think consumer spending is still reasonable in the economy. So it's it's not a it's not a bad economic environment. Good. It has challenges but it's not a bad one. Well, that's a good note to end on, Jim. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us this evening and uh, we'll talk to you again in the autumn, hopefully. My absolute pleasure, John. I look forward to it. Thank you. Have a good summer. That's uh, Jim uh, Power bringing us to an end. Thanks to all our guests this week, Alan Siri, Italo Andrade, Rowena Dooley, and you heard him there, Jim Power. Remember, any comments, uh, email us the bottom line at kclaw96fm.com. Over the summer, if you miss us too much, you can... Uh, Listen back to the podcast. Just search the bottom line on KCLR. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy, who patiently produces the show every week. But thanks most of all to you for listening. We'll be back in the autumn with more stories about business. In the meantime, stay tuned to KCLR. Stay sane and stay safe. With John Purcell, the bottom line on KCLR.